The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen-shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deek speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. The father of the bar and the holy toast. Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson and our guest Charlie Clawson uh, this week is none other then Tom Gleeson. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. So are you just going to have guests for Charlie from now on? Yeah, you're like a, a fill-in ne- Charlie. Except that it, Charlie's never coming back. Well, don't say it like that. <laughs> We're not sure that Charlie is never coming back. Charlie might just be on hiatus. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, it's kind of like the end of the movie Shane. You're not really <laughs> sure if Shane's dead on the horse where he slumped yeah, down. Don't know. Or m- maybe Shane's okay. He's he, been shot. He's he's going to be fine. He might come back. Yeah. So we're kind of. That's what this is like. Or like. But I am going to do them from now on. Like me do ten in a row. Is that right? Right. <laughs> yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah, like no. if this is an audition, that's fine. I can do it. I, I like. I'm the, happy to help out. I certainly think you're the first person we've had on the show who's never listened to the show. So I haven't listened to the show. So no. that, that I'm, I'm trying to sound like I'm doing an in joke, but I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've heard Charlie's very good on this show. He is, isn't he? Yeah. He's part of the show. That is true. Yes. Yeah, yes. He was. Okay. He was part of the show. He's not part of the show anymore. All right. Hence, you're here. Okay. Cool. Right. Okay. So it was. So it's faux fop now. Yes. But we have you. What's the F stand for? Well, we haven't really explained it. But um, did you ever watch the TV show Fringe? Uh, no, but I know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> this is going to be your whole thing. Yeah. Have you ever heard this podcast? No, but I know what no, you're talking about. No. Who's have the Beatles? John, Paul, two other guys. <laughs> My pop culture's really shot. Uh, Ringo just toured Australia. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what does Ringo do for an entire? I don't know, I reckon he's got a lot of songs because he's got one song per album. Right. Like he sings at least one song per album. So they had, Beatles had around eight albums. Right. That's a pretty good set. So essentially... He plays eight Beatles songs... Right. In a set. It's it's essentially like one of those theme nights, you know, when a, a band plays like a specific album, start to finish or something like yes. that. Uh, basically, Ringo Starr is, come see the eight worst Beatles songs <laughs> in concert, <laughs> in a row. Yeah, but he um, he also released, I think, like four or five solo, solo albums. Solo albums. So you dig into those, I right. guess. I don't know what those albums were. No. I know one was called... Uh, smell the roses or something like that. Really? Yeah. Oh, sounds good, go. doesn't it? Sounds right. optimistic at least. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Come <laughs> smell the roses. Drum solo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I don't even know if he played drums on his tour. Someone was telling me that he doesn't even I mean I'm sure he plays drums at some stage, but I don't think he's well, his own drummer. That makes sense, because often when people retire they move into a consultancy. Right. So I reckon <laughs> he's been a drummer with the biggest band in the world. So then you tour with another band and you consult right. on drums, probably during the gig. Right, highly paid. Uh, I'll count it in. Right. One, two, three, four. And then the drummer, he just belts away, he starts playing. I guess it's like, you know, those chefs who don't actually cook anymore. Yeah. You know, when you get good enough an at a chef. an executive drummer. Yeah. 
him and Dave Grohl are You'll be hitting the, this Tom, then the floor Tom, then you'll hit a crash symbol, then the, you'll stay on the ride symbol for a bit, and then you'll have a flourish on the hi-hat, then you'll do three on the kick, and then the floor Tom, and then you'll be done. Uh, go. What I, I curated that. What I like the most is we finally stumbled in an area that you do know something about. That was the best referenced drumming riff of all time. Yeah, well, not riff. Yeah. Roll. Roll. <laughs> <laughs> Riffs guitars. I think we all know that. <laughs> um, you do, do you still play the drums? Uh, yeah, I do. I finally was lucky enough to move into a house in the country that's... Um, not, not in Australia, like mm. in the actual country, an hour out of Melbourne. And I got a house that was quite big because the great thing about living in the country is you got peace and quiet and you can get a big house that costs fuck all. Mm. And so in this house, I got to have an office for the first time. So that was always a big thing for me. Yeah. And the other thing was I had a room where I could set up the drum kit and not have to pack it up. Right. So it just stays set up. Um, but what I do with the drums, I don't do anything that adventurous. I was a plotter at best. I was always someone who was like... A, Music-wise, I'm a jack-of-all-trades but master of none, pretty much. Mm -hmm. So my favourite thing at the moment is I play drums. I get my noise-cancelling headphones that I bought for the plane because mm. they just take down the drums that bit. Right. And just cra and I basically, I play along to the Rolling Stones. Oh, right. Yeah, because they're easy to play along to and it feels good. So right. I usually... I mean, I'm Charlie Watts is a great drummer. I can't do all that he does, but I can certainly keep up. You know, I, don't play, I play along to Led Zeppelin a bit, but a lot of it's a bit too difficult. But yeah, there's nothing better because when you've got noise cancelling headphones on, full stereo playing drums, you feel like you're in the band. Right. That's all you could ask for. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I, that's total fantasy. Yeah. I mean, I do that and I can't play the drums. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> you know, like the amount of times I imagine I'm playing the drums. But also, you're sitting in the pocket of a great drummer, so right. you sort of, I don't know, you sort of feel their groove a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's quite a good way to practice. A mate of mine used to do it, like, who, who's a proper drummer. He used to do it like when he was growing up. So when he, he's my age, when he was six. But he used to use um, uh, what do they call it? Like a uh, Walkman. Right. But Walkmans were a nightmare because you hit the snare once and you yeah. can't hear the cassette anymore. Yeah, right. So it's hard. So you had to tap away really quietly. He became a jazz drummer. But. Is there any part of that that involves a fantasy? Because I, I know a couple of, and it's such a weird fantasy to have. But mm. this is, I know a couple of um, Hilltop Hoods rap verses. Off by heart. Yes. Like off by heart. Like yeah. complex rap verses. Yeah. And I know those dudes. Yeah. And just somehow in my head, yeah. I always imagine that I'll go and see one of their concerts <laughs> and like just for whatever reason, I'll get thrust on stage and I'll be able to belt out the, the like the rap perfectly. Yeah. Like, I mean, is there any part of you that was like, if you got these things, you know, good enough next time oh. the Rolling Stones tour, they're like, they, we saw some of your YouTube clips. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the weird thing is there is a drummer called Tom Gleeson who has YouTube clips. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> so if you look up Tom Gleeson on YouTube, you get various stand-up spots from me and a guy in Adelaide just belting out <laughs> solos as perfect as he can get them. Right. So, well, imagine if there was a booking mixer. <laughs> <laughs> but my fantasy is actually, um, it's a little bit, well, it's just a, it's, it's just a fantasy, nothing more, and that is when I listen in stereo, like I listen to the Rolling Stones, say I listen to Exile on Main Street, when you've got really good headphones, you can hear the studio noise, you can hear the sounds of fingers running over strings and yep. all that kind of thing. And when I'm playing drums, I imagine that I'm in, you know, the south of France helping them record. Yeah. So I sort of put myself in that moment. And you can almost picture the other band members standing around the room because it just you can just hear that. That's what I do. Yeah, I yeah. can. I can uh, and I, I find the drumming thing really interesting because uh, Dave Grohl, obviously, is a guy who's toured with drummers playing in his yeah. bands 
and uh, with his idols. And I, yeah. yeah, and I, I always kind of think that he, because he kind of just has that fantasy life. Do you mean like Dave? What we're describing is essentially just Dave Grohl's life. Yeah, he was good at playing. Like I I remember, even as a drummer's fantasy, and that is to start another band where he sings. Right. (laughs) (laughs) He was a drummer, and then he lived out a drummer's fantasy where he got to have his own band where he sings, which Ringo's still chasing. Right. (laughs) And um, and uh, and then now you know gets to play with Paul McCartney and. It's pretty insane. John Paul Jones and whatnot. I uh, interviewed him on the radio once, and I've actually interviewed him a few times over the years, but what it was this was on uh, Triple J, and it was the first time we ever got to talk to him, and I said he was touring, I think, at the time was at Queens of the Stone Age, yeah. and it was kind of at the that absolute height of Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, and, um, about 10 years ago, isn't it? Yeah. And I remember saying to him, I said, look, you know, I, I think they just won the Hottest 100 movie, like, mm. you know, so it was that sort of peak of yeah. time, and I said... You know, you, you're in Queens of the Stone Age. Like, you know, you, you have your own band, the Foo Fighters. Like, you're in Nirvana. Mm. Like, how do you manage to do all this? And he just pauses and for a moment said something that I'm sure was kind of meant to be self-deprecating. But you know when <laughs> someone says something and they're half-joking, but you know that they also yeah. secretly... He was just like, sheer talent. And I was like, <laughs> yes, that is why. It is sheer talent. Yeah, he's damn good. Right? I mean, listening to him play with... Like I said, I'm more in a, I'm a drumming enthusiast. I wouldn't mm-hmm. even call myself a drummer because there are people who can actually play. And I'm not being self-deprecating. I'm just being accurate. Yeah. But he, um, like him on Them Crooked Vultures is, yeah, it sounds like John Bonham. Right. Like in Led Zeppelin, it's it's, it's damn good. Like yeah. I, I could never play any of what he plays. Yeah. And you can hear him having fun. Right. You can hear him having fun. I reckon, fun. yeah. He drums. He's taking the piss sometimes right. when he plays drums. Right. Yeah, I reckon. No, but I think you're right. Yeah. He drums in like... In the back end of a lot of those songs, there's too many fills. Yeah. He's just, he's just putting them all in. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's essentially... It's like he's playing um, like a, a drum video game. Mm. Like one of those fantasy drumming games. That's what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, do you do that? Because you're a video game guy. Do you ever play any of those sort of video game... Uh, Are you still a video game guy? I kind of fell out of it a bit because I've got a kid now. She's yeah. about one. So <laughs> just sort of soaks up your spare time pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it was falling out before that too. Right. I mean, I don't know. I, I hate to call it a phase, but I think it might have been a phase. Well, it's okay to be a phase. Yeah, I feel bad I, about I, it though. I was why? pretty committed. I don't know. I feel like I'm letting video gaming down. I think video gaming is fine, Tom. But it's, <laughs> I think it's doing fine without you. I don't think... <laughs> Very popular. I don't think there's anyone sitting around in their piles of cash in video really game centers going, I think we lost Gleason. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but it was just a thing for... I, I enjoyed it for so long and... And I was always, you know, I spoke out a lot against yeah. people who were just always saying, oh, you know, it's, they're talking about it like it was a lesser entertainment platform. And I right. felt like, no, no, no. It's- well, that's why I said it, because you were very much a... Yes. And I, I need to give a shout out to, to Dave Chalker, who's uh, a very dedicated uh, listener to this uh, podcast. And he came to one of my trial shows in Sydney the other day. And uh, he left me a bag uh, which had... Uh, a gaming console and the Batman or the yes. Batman games. Oh, I've played them, yeah. They're and cool. because, well, yeah, and his kind of attitude was, you know, like you used to say, that idea of going, this is a major, mm. you know, form of art and expression that a lot of people are involved in. They make in. more money than movies, yes. Right. So if you like movies and think, wow, this is pretty impressive, but also games just, must be more impressive but than But also that. just if you're a commentator on popular culture. Yeah. Like, you know, like I every day read the newspaper and I get yeah. my eye across TV shows that I don't necessarily like and I find out, you know, what Gangnam Style is because I feel that I'm going to have to reference that at some point. <laughs> yeah. But I haven't played video games. And and the... 
people always criticise them and say, oh, I'm worried that if I get involved, I reckon you might be one of these, if I get involved, I'll waste too much time on them. That is exactly what I am. But how good's that? That you've got something that you want to do for eight hours straight. There's not many things you want to do for eight hours straight. Right. That must mean it's really entertaining. I know, but doesn't... No one says, oh, yeah, I saw a film, if only it was nine hours long. Right. Yeah, I read a book and, I mean, maybe people kind of say it with books, I reckon. You can keep talking. That's all right. That was another console. <laughs> it was an Xbox, so you got both platforms. <laughs> I um, I uh, mentioned Fruitchocks were in Adelaide yes. uh, as part of the Adelaide Fringe Festival. Uh, mm. uh, your show is on at the moment. Where, where can people see your show? Uh, my show is on. Uh, it's on at the Adelaide Fringe. Mm. Then it's going to be in the Brisbane Comedy Festival. Uh, then Melbourne, then I'm going to New Zealand for the first time to oh, do their comedy festival. Oh my god, it's so much fun. Which I've heard, yeah. You'll love it. And then Perth. Right. And Sydney much later in the year. Yeah, New Zealand is fantastic. Yeah. You will, I mean, I, I think the comedy community there is so good. Um, all those young kids who uh, do my fan fiction comedy show, which we're bringing back to the Melbourne Comedy Festival, are some of the uh, most talented young comedians that yeah. I've got to work with in a long time. But yeah, was... great! I did their show last year in Melbourne. It was good fun. Yeah, the scenes, the scene there is really fun. Like uh, in Auckland, there's a great club called the Classic, mm. and it's kind of because it's like a one club town. Everyone in comedy there works the Classic. You yeah. know, everyone like the, oh, the, the young comedians all work behind the bar at the Classic. Like it's. Mm. It's 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 really old school. You'll love it. I You're making me feel bad because I was talking to, not the festival director. I think it might have been the assistant director, and um, and she was saying this is about a year or two ago. You should come over to the New Zealand Comedy Festival. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to, but to be perfectly honest, the money's really ordinary. Right. It is. <laughs> and she said, yeah. She said, yeah, but it's really fun. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, but I get paid a lot to have fun. All the time all the anyway. Time. Yeah, right. And so I get to do this bit of fun that could, yeah. I get paid a lot for or this bit of fun where I don't get paid so much for. So I mean, that is a good point. It's got to have to be a lot of fun. Yeah. The pressure's on. Yeah, it's got to, it's <laughs> not enough that it's fun. It's got to be more fun than the things that are fun that I'm getting paid well for. That's it. <laughs> Which I must admit not many people struggle with and I'm aware right. of that. That's a nice... But that's just where I am in my life nice because I made some really good choices a right. long time ago. So exactly. if you're envious or annoyed at me, right. that's, that's your own problem. Your own problem. Yeah. Make your own good choices choose fun choose fun <laughs> tom got this choose fun and cash tom got this successful and he used to play video games eight hours in a row so you can too well you got to soak up the day somehow <laughs> when you got a festival show it's perfect you just what are you going to do all day what are you going to do you got to pass the time till show time when you nail it <laughs> when you nail it night after night after night you can't like you don't want to make you don't want it to overcook the show right. you don't want it to you know you don't I mean, want to over season it that's right too you many can... tangents too many add ons you well, just got to right. play games all day to put your head somewhere else like you, you are the uh, version of yeah you know, when they say about fashion uh, the big tip is always you know uh, if you if you want to like when you're going out for a night when mm. you're dressed up put all your stuff on and then take at least one thing off and then you're like, because you always, uh, that's what you're like with comedy. You're just like, well, I'm not going to put too much stuff on. Yeah, except I probably just put on shorts and a singlet. <laughs> and then I don't even look for anything else because it's too risky. Um, tell me about uh, New Zealand yes. um, and travelling with comedy in general. Do you enjoy, like, going overseas? Like, because you do it. Yes. But you don't seem to, like, you know, it doesn't seem to be like a thing that you go, I have to go overseas this year. Or is that, am I misinterpreting yes. that? No, no, you're not. 
Um, I'm a little bit... I'm a bit confusing with my career. Mm. I hate using the word career, but anyway. What's your career? I, well, yeah, I know. It's fine. I don't know. Just, I just don't like the word in general. This I don't like a, it when lawyers right. use it. This is a safe space, though, Tom. <laughs> like, if you can't use it on a free podcast, where can you use it? <laughs> Some people... <laughs> I mean, surely the evidence yeah, okay. uh, that you're doing a free podcast... I mean, this is... This you is can gonna... swear, you can say fuck, right. and career. Exactly. And career. <laughs> Any C word. <laughs> but um, I kind of... The way I kind of, the way I've been approaching stand up for I don't know ten years now is essentially that I do the festivals because yep. I feel like the festivals are they're great fun and they make you produce a new hour of comedy a year so that's right. really good exactly. and I feel like all the other good things that ever happen sort of flow from there whether they do or don't is actually true sometimes and not true other times so essentially the first half of the year is festivals yep. and the second half of the year is however the cards land and sometimes that involves going overseas and sometimes it doesn't and essentially if I get paid to go overseas I go overseas mm. but I'm not I'm not really willing to take a massive punt like say you're like you, you're taking a huge punt to go to LA at great expense to yourself I presume yeah. and also like you're pursuing a very long term goal that goal to me is just too long term right. to be bothered with well you had a baby it's yeah, essentially well, no, the same that, thing. But, yeah, but at the like, same I mean, time... But, but I mean, that's your long-term goal. Like, well, you, as, in, like, as in, that's the thing that fills your time and you spend true. your spare money on. That's true. And but the thing that I fills my spare time and I spend my spare money on is that bit of my career. Yeah, but, but if but I my, had, like, a baby, I wouldn't... No, but it's not quite like that because my family is quite flexible. Right. My wife's a food writer and she's freelance. Mm-hmm. And if I said to her, I've decided... I wouldn't say I've decided. I'd discuss yeah. it. If you, if you Listen here, woman. <laughs> Shut up, child. I'm going to Hollywood. <laughs> but if, but if you know, if we chatted about it and we thought that was a good idea, she'd love to go to Hollywood and live there for yeah. you know LA for twelve months or whatever. We've often talked about, you know, I've, everyone's everyone in a performance is paranoid and thinks that one day it's going to dry up. You know, think you know the luck will run out and you'll be right. things will go down instead of up. Well, they, it and will. for me, I I've assume. always thought I'll go to. We could just move to London and yeah. I could do stand up for eight years, ten years there, and well, you'd I mean, be able to earn a lot of money. It'd be fine. She'd be up to. You know, we'd like yeah. Europe. We like London. Well, that's what I, that, I guess. That's what I was kind of asking. Mm. Was that thing of, uh, you know, you could see yourself going and doing it somewhere else, or do it, if if that's oh, what happened. I've had tastes. That have been, you know, I've had great experiences. Mm. I've been to LA, done shows there. Right. And even within two weeks, been asked to do other gigs within those two weeks from having done gigs, just a little bit of networking, having done nothing. Been to Montreal many times and I've done gigs in London. Like the first time I went to Edinburgh was over 10 years ago and I was out of my depth. And the second time I was probably still out of my depth. But I went to London like just two, three years ago and I felt like I had what I have at home. Like I just felt like they were into it. I just felt like I knew what I was doing. So I could imagine doing it there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I have no doubt that uh, like a bunch of Australian comedians Mm. would do really well in the States. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, because like you said, we have to write a new hour festival show every year. Like, I mean, there's, there's dudes on the scene over there who haven't written an hour of material in 10 years, you know? Yeah. So even just that sort of chops of, you know, having to get up there all the time and work it, those skills, you see people go over. Yeah. And, you know, even people who maybe aren't doing that well here yet, yeah. you know, go over there and have great gigs. Like, I mean, yeah. it's interesting. I find that really interesting. Do you think yeah. about um, ever not being able to do comedy? Has that ever crossed your mind? Like, you know, when you say... Uh, that you thought about, yeah, that future where it's not working out and you go and do something else. Is, it, is comedy always the thing that you do or do you ever go, I could, go, I could do something else? 
No, I kind of... Before I did stand-up, I did a lot of experimenting with various things. I was in bands and, you know, theatre and... Well, not theatre, but like improv and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, talk us through it. What, 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 they were all artistic things or did you do any other I was doing a science degree. Yeah. And before that, I did pharmacy. So I I switched degrees as well. Right. So I was already searching. I thought maths was better. Where was pharmacy? Where did that come from, pharmacy? Going back, it was uh, just bad decision in year 12 right. because essentially <laughs> like uh when you uh when you're at high school and and you're smart you've got to do medicine or law right. otherwise you're an idiot yep you know because that's what you got to do if yep. you're smart and so if you're good at science you kind of do medicine and if you're good at humanities you do law that's certainly what i was taught at yep. school no no the, i think that the, i mean it's a very old-fashioned way of looking at yeah yeah schooling but and it's stupid but it's but it's what but i kind of believed is. it so yep. by process of elimination i decided i had to be a doctor mm. And then I didn't get into medicine. I just missed out, just missed out on dentistry. So I thought I'd do pharmacy because you could do it for 12 months and then move across. But I was stuck there for two years and it took me two years to realise that I hated all the subjects. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds so ludicrous now, but it took me a long time to realise I didn't like biology, physiology, pharmacology. I hated these subjects and those subjects were central to medicine. Mm. And then I just saw a, there was a tutorial paper for maths on the ground. It was like a goodwill hunting moment, but a lot easier. And I looked at it and I was like, that, that looks easy. That's heaps easier than an essay or a practical. I should do maths because it's easy. It so was I just on the that. ground? Yeah, it was on the ground. Like it, was, it was in another lecture theatre just sitting on the ground. And I saw a triple integral. <laughs> And I, I like the idea that in that moment, particularly when they make the movie of your life, that it's like it's a cinematic moment, right? And and the light will come through the window and mm. it will just shine on the piece of paper. Oh, I should do maths, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was literally laziness because I right. looked at it and I saw it had eight questions on it, yeah. and that was their major assignment. And I thought those questions look like some, you know sums that I could solve. Then I wouldn't have to do. No essays, no practicals, contact hours are like four hours a week. Yep. Easy peasy. So I started doing maths. I was doing maths and it was easy. While I did that, I started stand-up. I found that kind of easy compared to everyone else in terms of, I don't know, everyone else was, you know, freaking out backstage. And I was like, ah, it's all right. It's not that hard, is it? Right. We can get over it, can't we? <laughs> so then I just, <laughs> you know, so I just, kind of, it just felt good. So I kept doing it. So to get back to okay, your no, original no, no. question. Well, um, we'll get back to that in a second. I'm fascinated by um, you've always been pretty calm. Like mm. you seem to have an approach to performing that, like, you know, has that always been the case? Have you ever been a person who's got more freaked out about it? And Oh, no, I have moments of anxiety. I'm not like immune to it. But I just kind of, the very first time I did it, it just like, it was like it clicked. Because I'd been in a band for five years yeah. on stages in pubs playing music with mixed responses. And I was friends with bands that were really, really talented, like, say, the presets. They were friends of mine from that time. And you would watch, you know, Kim and Julian play. They were in another band at the time. And they were clearly geniuses. Yeah. So I'd watch them play and I, was, I, I knew what actual talent and was like. And so when I did stand-up, it just was like, it just something felt... I was, you know, I could have been deluded, but it doesn't matter. I was deluded enough to think this felt good. Right. Well, deluded enough to have a 20-year career. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Don't, don't mention the C word. <laughs> so, so then, so by the fine, by the time that finally clicked, it was like, um, yeah, it was like stand up for life. Yeah. And so I just have always imagined I would always do it. Like I'm, I can always remember. You know, you would hear people saying this. Oh, I don't want to turn into one of those sad fuckers who's, 
you know, down at the comedy store headlining and, you know, for however many hundred dollars, you know, because there has been. Mm. I don't see that. I see someone who's still doing comedy. Still doing it. And that seems Every fun night. to me. Yeah. And that's that's good to me. Like, to be able to... The fact that I could turn up to any club and headline for... And someone gives me money to do that. If I could do that when I was 70, I'd be pretty happy with that. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I'm still excited by the fact, like, I was saying to someone the other day that probably the happiest I am with my career is mm. that I can walk into most rooms and get up. Mm. Like, you know, like if you need to get up, like but if you, you need to like yeah. try something out, mm. like if you walk in, you don't have to ring ahead. You don't have to yeah. like, you know, book it in. You don't have yeah. to beg for stage time. They're, they're literally happy to have you on. Yeah, it's good. Which is nice. I mean, because you came and saw me do a show last night and I'm previewing mm-hmm. at the moment in Adelaide and it's brand new and it's probably a little more brand new than I would like it to be at this stage of the thing but you know I mean I'm two days in and that's what it is yeah. so you want to get as much stage, stage time as possible external yeah. to the show to try things and even just I still get a thrill of walking down to the rhino room in yeah. front of 40 people on a Tuesday <laughs> night and them going oh no you can get up of course I can get up yeah. it's the rhino room but you know good, yeah. but it's good I enjoy yeah. that you know but I think that um, you know a thing I'd the, I always hate the question, you know, and you'd get it all the time too. What do you prefer, TV, radio, right. or stand-up? Or the, the other bane of my existence is people um, judging your success by how often you've been on TV. Yeah. I, I, look, it's – and before you say what you're going to say, I'm – that's my – I get unnecessarily angry at people when they ask me that. <laughs> like, I – I, I try just, to be understanding, right. but it's annoying. I try to be understanding too, but because I – get so frustrated by the question mm. like I got one the other day from someone saying uh, they, they the way a journalist literally said to me she goes so why do you still do stand up yeah like you know yeah. and I was kind of like yeah. as if stand up is just something you would do mm. like I'm like stand up is what I do someone said to me it must be good getting back to grassroots doing stand up <laughs> it was like I had lowered myself right. to do stand up yeah but I think that they genuinely believe that when you say, no, 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 I really like stand-up, I think that they think you're reverse engineering your PR. You know, right. you kind of, it's like, you know, it's just, it's just it's like you're trying to sound cool. Right. No, 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 I like keeping it real with the people. It's, but they don't understand that that is what you yeah. actually do. <laughs> and as a result of doing that, you get to do all these ludicrous TV things. So people no. say, oh, I haven't seen you on TV for a while. And I'm like, well, where did you actually see me? Yeah. You saw me what talking rubbish on a news panel show like for one second like that wasn't comedy. No, and <laughs> that was just me going hello. Remember that I do stand up, please. Right. <laughs> that's the only reason I'm here. In fact, that's what I should have said. Right, Tom. What's your opinion of the news? My opinion of the news is that people should go to my stand up show. Thank you, and then. Leave. <laughs> But people don't get that, and, and but, it's unfortunate. But it's true. Like my every TV show I've ever done mm. could, if like if you actually heard what's going on, like in my head, <laughs> essentially I'm saying, "Come see my show. Come see my show. Come see my show." Like the only reason I'm here is come see my show. Yeah. Come see my show. Even if you think I'm Hillsy, come see my show. I don't care. Just get yeah. in the door. Come see my show. But that's it. It's like it's some measure of success, and I say, "Well, it's not." I don't know. It's not really like that. I sort of I do stand up, and as a result of that, I get asked to do TV every now and then. And I try to take my time when people do ask about. It, I say, and I do it every now and then, and it doesn't really pay that well. No. TV is not really a great industry at the moment, and uh, I get paid more money to perform live. And you can, when you perform live, you can say whatever you want. And say whatever you want. You can create create your own world. You don't you get have paid to. More. You say whatever you want. Like that's good, yeah. Right. <laughs> Particularly if you, because that's what some people are always like. Oh, you know. Like, 
I'm not, I'm not here against my will. You yeah. know, like, I mean, I've chosen to do this. Yeah. Like, no one made me put on a show in Adelaide. Like, despite the fact that I'm bashing myself up going, <laughs> like, you know, I'm going, oh, God, yeah. why do you do this? But I do it to myself. Hmm. Like, no one else has made me do this. Yeah. Again, it's getting back to what we were saying just before about being asked to do TV, is that you would be... Say you made the conscious decision. You said, I want to retire from stand-up because I've had enough. Yeah. I'm just sick of... I don't have anything interesting to say anymore. Yeah, I'm I don't done. want to be on the road. I'm, I'm finished. It's nighttime work, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so I'm going, to do, I'm going to become a maths teacher. Yeah. And then it would be forever, you know. Oh, it's a has-been. Have right. you heard he's become a maths teacher right. now? Like, and you'd always be, no, I want to do it. And the more yeah. you'd say you want to do it, the more you'd think, oh, yeah, you really want to do it. Yeah. Sure, sure you want to do it. If you got offered your own TV show, you'd turn it down. Well, yeah, I would actually. Because <laughs> I like maths, so they wouldn't believe you. So that's one fantasy. And I, I oh, no, often... Three years later, you would come back with like a maths comedy show at the <laughs> yeah. festival. You and Adam Spencer. I'm back. <laughs> but that's the other thing that I like is the fa- part of my fantasy is how you would get a job. Right. Is I like the idea of the interview because my CV is is uh, ruined. It, well, it's not ruined. It's just, thin. It's it, thin. There's nothing on there. No. I've got no references. The last reference I've got is from a scoutmaster whose lawn I mowed in 1991. Yeah, that's right. it. That's, that's my yeah. last reference. Scoutmaster and uh, a reviewer who liked the Australian fast bowler. <laughs> I'd have to show them some quotes from the age <laughs> yeah. and give them a showreel on DVD or just give them links, wouldn't I, now on YouTube? Yeah. This is my YouTube yeah. channel. This is me talking about things that are going to be inappropriate in your workplace. <laughs> Can I come? I'll be good for morale. Actually, I won't be good for morale because, to be honest, I'm a bit of a sad sack off stage. So <laughs> everyone will expect me to be funny, and I won't be. It'll be terrible. Actually, don't. What am I doing? Ah, oh, what are your weaknesses? They're my weaknesses. <laughs> my weaknesses is I'm not as funny off stage as I am on. <laughs> what a nightmare. But then my other. Um, my other thought is just actually literally not being able to perform anymore. I find that interesting. Oh, uh, as in like physically or Yeah, something? like maybe, maybe uh, like, um, like I don't know why. This is one I always think about, right? Like I imagine um, uh, maybe, uh, maybe you couldn't walk anymore, right? Mm. And I think well, about that's, that, I, that, that. That's a good one because I, I have my hip thing. Yes. And there is a point in the next couple of years, depending on how fast it keeps getting yeah. bad, where I will have to have like a major operation and be off my feet for nearly, well, up to six months, they say, before yes. I could perform again. And it's been a long time since I have spent more than six yes. days, let alone six months, not performing. And I do kind of, I mean, that would only be a temporary thing. Yes. And I'd probably be able to do some other form of it in between or whatever. But Well, that's interesting. It does make me think about it. Well, like, that's all. I mean, you're staring down the barrel of it. For me, it's only just a, an, an imaginative scenario. Right, which like I think a, yours will be much more funny than mine. No, 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 it's not funny. It's not funny at all. It's actually just the thing that I can't... The thing I actually get stuck on is that you could still perform. Mm. So in in my fantasy... Well, it's not a fantasy. <laughs> it's like that I couldn't walk, so I'd be in a wheelchair. Yeah. So then I could still perform because I could still talk, right. so then I'd be in a wheelchair... But then I'd have to have the fucking uplifting show about how I've triumphed over adversity and that show would be really boring to me because right. I've seen it a million times before. But and it's win, always great. You'd win a lot of awards. I'd win awards. You'd win a lot of awards. It'd be fucking irritating though because I'd be like, you'd you know what? you hate the awards. Yeah, I'd hate the awards. <laughs> Fuck your awards. So I've been enhancing my fucking career. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that would be annoying because I'd be like, I did right. award-winning shows before and no one cared and right. now I'm in a wheelchair. You finally noticed yeah. I know how to do stand-up. It would be annoying. Right. And then also... 
you just kind Would of become do... known as that act or right. something. He was that guy who did this, and then that happened, and this, and then you'd. I, but it's always upsetting wheel, to be known for one thing. Would you do wheelchair jokes? Like, I mean, if you were in a wheelchair, would you like? Because you know, when you see someone who has a disability, or it might be someone who's from a foreign country or whatever, yeah. and that's their entire act. You know, their yes. entire act is jokes around that sort of thing. Like, you know, well, I've been you, I've been think- in a different position in Australia because people had known me from before. Yeah, I feel like acts who. Uh, are like that in general usually are doing that to win favour with an audience right. just to address the elephant in the room I mean yeah everyone's yeah exactly yeah. so you you think you just do your normal no you just do the whole normal thing just because I, I wouldn't want awards <laughs> right. so I'd just be like I just straight into it not even one reference to so, stand up comedy no. that I'm sitting down no, whatever I just, just straight in like nothing had happened right I'd just be like hello bitches how are you what's your name what do you do talking to the crowd <laughs> Segwaying, hopefully seamlessly into material, then uh, build a big finish. Thank you. Good night. Wheel down my ramp. <laughs> Sell merchandise after the show, my DVDs and whatever. On the DVD, there's no wheelchair. I'm no, standing up. Standing up. <laughs> and everyone's wanting to ask me about it. I'm don't, not. Don't they're looking it. at me like you can't. Can't mention can't it. How did it happen? I'm like, no, don't talk don't about, talk about it. it. I'll tell you everything about my private right. life except that one thing. The one thing. The mystery. <laughs> The mystery man in a chair. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, that's kind of one thing I think about. But it must be interesting with you thinking about that. But, I mean, if you know, I mean, you would you'd hope to recover. So you've got six months. Right. You know, I don't know. Well, you could still do the podcast and right. there's a lot of things you could do. And I'm guessing you take the time to recover. Yeah. I mean, well, that's and, and the interesting thing for me in that regard is that idea that, I mean, hopefully it won't take six months. Yeah, hopefully it'll yeah. take more like three months. Yes. But they kind of say that, you know, you should allow six months. And like yeah. standing on stage, weirdly, yeah. is really, really hard on your hips because, yes. you know, you, it's just that weird thing of standing in the one spot. I don't know if people, have, yeah, if, but if you try it, if you just try to stand vaguely in the one spot for an hour. There's a lot of people who work in David Jones who would agree with you. Yeah, exactly. Because they, they stand there. They've got little pressure mats and stuff right. to stand on, yeah. Because it's just... standing for eight hours yeah. at a counter. That's why they don't look happy. No. <laughs> They tried it. <laughs> when you walk up, they... Hello! <laughs> but in the second before you get there, they're yeah. on a screensaver. Um, so I, I... I kind of have to plan it. That's what yes. I, I've realised. I have to plan it between, you know, a time where I can afford... Because mm. I don't, like... I'm, I imagine a little bit like you, where it's like most of my work is freelance. Like, you yep. know, what I would consider freelance, you do mm-hmm. festivals or you do gigs and whatever. So, like, you might have a couple of really good months and then you might have, like, a month or two where not much is really happening financially. Yeah. And so Like a farmer. Yeah. And yeah. so we have jobs where if you... Um, if I'm not working, I can't pay my bills or my mortgage or, or whatever. Yeah. So I'd have to kind of find a way, I think, to either save enough money to get through that period of time not working or to be doing something that was like, you know, maybe writing something or, you know. Well, you could do, you could just get photographed for Woman's Day or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, they would, they would buy it. They would buy those they pictures would, and the story. They would. Picture of Will in bed. Right. <laughs> Cats all over your face. Not, not so funny man yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Not so funny man and you're like pulling a sad face. <laughs> Sad, but, oh. <laughs> but I'm not sad about the hip operation. Yeah. I'm sad about what I've stooped to yeah. to pay for it. And it's really sad and then down the bottom. But there's still a, like a link to your website because the tour's going to start again. Yeah, exactly. Three uh, months time. Uh, uh, you know what? And the other thing is that it would have a heading like, laughter's the best medicine. 
<laughs> I um. Have you ever been offered any of those sort of things? Like as a, an OK magazine or something wanted to come around to your house and take photos? Because I imagine yeah. you living in the country in particular, th- yes. there might be you know, interest in people taking photos of your house and stuff. Yeah, I've been asked uh, several times to do things like that. And I'd like to... The story would be so much better in these cases where it's like I got asked to do whatever and I turned them down. Yeah. The truth is this is a little bit of behind-the-scenes sort of uh, truth, and that is... When I get asked to do things in general, I just say yes to everything mm. because you can say no later. Right. I'm sure you're much the same. Yep. Do you want to do this pilot? Yep. yep. I mean, I say no rarely. I kind of go, yep, yep, yep. I sort of wait until it becomes really obvious that it's shit because sometimes you just don't know. You don't know. I've been in pilots for things that I thought were terrible and went on to become number one shows and I've been you know, in pilots for things that I thought were brilliant and they just they died in two episodes. So you just, I don't trust my own judgment. So... What I'm trying to say is I got asked to be on Dancing with the Stars. Right. Good, because that's basically what I was going to ask next. So, <laughs> so, so I'm glad you've gone there. So they just asked, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, sure, yeah. because I just want to see where it goes. But that's where it gets sad, because they just never call back. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so that... how upsetting is that? It's right. like, I don't know, it's like, um, you know, someone unattractive saying, hey, do you want to make out? Yeah. You go, yeah, sure, yeah, I'm not sure. fussy, and then she kisses someone else. Right. Like, so they said, like, they asked for an expression of interest. I'm like, yeah, sure, no yeah, worries. I'm, I'm, I'm in. interested. Thinking sneakily, I'm not really interested, no. but let's just see where this goes. Right. And you know where it went? Nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> Which season was it? Uh, Do you remember? This how, is a while ago. ago. It was like the second season. Or did something. you? I was still the Australian fast bowler. Yeah. And uh, did know, they want? Did, did, is happy. that who they wanted? They didn't want you. They wanted Australian. <laughs> <laughs> see, that would have been good. <laughs> Yeah, you should have said, I will do it, but Learning my character. only proviso is I'm doing the entire show as the Australian Fast Bowler. That would be pretty cool. I think you would have won. Do you yeah, know what I, mean? I, I feel like if you did it as the Australian yeah. Fast Bowler... Let's face it, there would have been people in out there watching TV, watching Channel 7, let's be fair, right. who would have thought he was real. Right. <laughs> and then there would have been the other part of the audience who thought it was hilarious yeah. that you're doing it in character. So it, I think you would have got the majority yeah. of votes. I always would have said no to that show, though, because it's one of those ones where... Oh, what I I wanted, this, sorry, what I wanted yeah. to ask was, yeah. you, didn't you watch, did you watch any of that series to no. go who they picked instead of you? Did you, oh, like, um, did you look at the final list and go, oh, my God. You I know what? Believe. It might have been really simple. It might, it, I, I mean, it's a bit foggy for me now. It could have been Fiona O'Loughlin. Right. So it would have been one of the two of yeah. us probably at the time. No, they, yeah, they just want a comedian. Yeah, they, they would have rung a manager yeah. and, yeah. And um, so, the, yeah, I... I find, like with these shows, though, I feel that you kind of got to buy in. This is like, a, you know, this is like Showbiz 101. You can't take the piss out of the program you're on. You, well, you can kind of. It's a tricky thing to do, though, because the people who watch Dancing with the Stars like it. Right. The people who watch Celebrity Apprentice like it. Right. You couldn't... Uh, on Dancing with the Stars, if you're doing it as the Australian Files Bowler, you couldn't dance shit. Yes. Like you couldn't take yes. the show not seriously. Yes. You'd still have to learn how to do really good dances. They yes. could have cricket themes. Yeah. Like people would enjoy that, you know, you do it to house out or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. But you'd still have to Yeah, you still have to play it. You have to buy yeah. into playing the game. Yeah, well my fantasy on that show was always like because often when I get an offer like that, yeah. I'll go I I say yes, yep. then hang up the phone or who uses the phone? Anyway, I reply to the email and then I quit, and also, quit entourage. Also, like the way you also mimed hanging up yeah, an old fashioned phone. Like even if you were on the phone, yeah. Like we still mime it like that. I walk away from my computer, yeah. and um, I think that. Uh, 
But then the mind starts to go, if I, oh, well, if I did do it, what would I do? And my fantasy on that particular show was that I'd do the dance and then the judges would critique it as they do. Yep. And I'd say, oh, that's all well and good. Thank you very much for your feedback. But you're forgetting that I'm only here for my profile. And that would be my running joke that I was only here to try to get publicity, which I quite liked. Yep. But even then, like, it sounds kind of good, yep. except that the live studio audience wouldn't laugh at what I'm saying because no. they wouldn't really get it. It's no. too in. Yep. You know, a few people on the couch at home would go, that's pretty funny. But let's yep. face it, the people who would find that funny don't watch the TV show. Yeah. And the judges are taking it seriously. So then you start, well, you got to, what are you doing there? And Celebrity Apprentice... Same thing. I think I got asked for whether I was interested. I can't. Maybe I did say no to that one. That's a bad show. That one. Anyway, I can't remember. But it was again. You. How can you take the piss out of a show that's edited, right? <laughs> without your consent. That's all. The... Your best lines wouldn't be in the show anyway. Yeah. 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 So you do run a little counterculture on some shows, though. Like that's one of the, your approaches to comedy that I've always enjoyed. Mm. Like I often found, like uh, when you used to do the project, uh, yeah, mm. regularly that. I enjoyed that show a lot more you know, than I do regularly because you were you seemed to have a counter culture sort of or a counter approach to doing that show. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, you're right. I used to always think, what can I say that's going to ruin the show a little? Yeah, bit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could tell, and it was but good. Not like because it was always it was a that show is kind of highly controlled, highly controlled. Yeah, I mean, but not like. I mean, it's live. Yeah. So it's actually not controlled at all. No. It's only controlled by your own. Uh, That's the thing about morals. live, though. Yeah. But the, the thing about live is they put in so many controls yes. because yes. it's live. That's right. You know. So you try to get guided in certain directions. Yeah. And um, my my pro- th- th- that show was very simple. There, there's a meeting uh, where you talk about what you're going to talk about. And then you go on air. Pretty much, that's the show. When you're a guest, yeah. other people work very hard on that show. Not, not, not guests. You, you do bugger all. Yeah. No, and um, the guests don't have to go in and put together those packages. No, no, of course. <laughs> you're not in an editing suite. Yeah. And <laughs> let's face it. For an hour, you might talk for two minutes. Right. Let's. There's not really much no. room to say much. And so, my approach was in the meeting when everyone was talking about all the things that they'd talk about. I wouldn't say anything. Which is a bit tricky because it probably look, made me look like I was bored. But the truth was I was just listening to everyone, thinking about what I would say. And I didn't want to say what I was going to say because if I said what I was going to say, people would say, well, you can't say that. Right. So what I'd say is nothing. Then we'd sit through the rehearsal and I'd say nothing. And then we'd go on air and I'd say what I was thinking. I did a week where I made the mistake that you didn't make, <laughs> which was I kept saying the things in the room and then they would just tell me. You can't say that on the show. Oh, they laugh. <laughs> but of course you can't say that. Let's not forget the time slot. Like, that kind of yeah. Thing. But even things And that... often you could, if you thought about it, you'd say, no, I think I can say the word arsehole. I think it's fine. Right. You know, I think I can give someone the finger or two fingers. I did that once. So it's fine, you know. I had to do... Uh, there was a story about... John Hastings had played cricket for Australia and it was Ricky Ponting's last test. And basically... I, I was filling in for Husey for a week while he was away on yes. holidays. And so I was just doing Husey's thing, which is essentially you get a few, like, you know, funny uh, clips from the news yeah. and then you say one line off the back of them, sort of. Yeah, thing, I, right? I used to do the same thing. So yeah. I would... Um, so John Hastings, it was a lovely cl- cl- uh, little clip about all the boys had gathered in the room and Ricky had shown them something special. And, mm. and all I wanted to say was... Uh, and it's not even a great joke, yeah. but all I wanted to say was... Uh, Ricky actually showed them his original hair. That was it. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. The, like, and the, the, they were like, oh, no, we're trying to get Ricky on the show next week. You can't. I yeah. was like, really? Like, yeah. A, would he care? B, 
I don't think you would care. So then, as the week went on, I would I realised that they were going to shut me down and everything. So in that meeting, I would just try to think of the most inappropriate thing that right. I possibly couldn't say <laughs> in any way and presented as if yeah. I was asking if that was a red okay, herring, right, for me yeah. to say. Yeah, so, so you pop that soldier straight over the parapet. Right. He gets shot. Yeah. Then you and your gang are waiting. Sneak through. <laughs> Cut the barbed wire once you're on air and then sneak through and say what you're going to say. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm not on that show anymore and no. this might be why. So I can't recommend it as a way to approach it. But uh, having said that, I don't know where this came. Oh, no, I do know. This came, I had a very different approach to TV. It started in 2008. So I used to be on a show called Skid Outs. It's a yep. sketch show, yeah, and that people may or may not have seen. And I had a great run on that and it was fantastic. And then after that, you know, I made the mistake of thinking that maybe I was really good. Okay. And and so I thought I could say no to things. So I said no to lots and lots and lots of things. And one day I said to my mum, I was telling her all the things I'd said no to. And she said, sounds like you should say yes to some of those things. They sound like they might be fun. Yeah. And I was like, you're right, they do kind of sound fun. I'm probably being a bit uptight. Yeah. Cut a long story short, I get asked to be on a panel show for Big Brother. And I'm like, why would you want to do that? And I go, all right, I'll do it. And I I got asked to do it by a producer who said, you can say whatever you want. And I went, all right, I well, will say whatever I want. That wouldn't surprise me because, like, I know in the UK, Russell Brand, yeah. like, had a great deal of success with that Big Brother Up Late where he yes. would say whatever he wanted. And it was very popular. Yeah. And so I thought, I'm going to say tonight, and let's also, let's qualify that by saying I didn't watch Big Brother. Right. Like, when I did this panel show, it was called, um, I don't remember, it was called Big Mouth or something like that. Big Brother, Big, it was an Up Late show. Yeah. And it was in front of a live studio audience. So if there's a live studio audience, I usually do TV shows where there's an audience. I'm happy yeah, with that. Good. But I had all the faces of the Big Brother people on the table and their names written underneath where the audience couldn't see. So that when they played a clip, I could look down and go, oh, what's Jamie been up to today? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, there's, uh, you know, and I'd cut to someone else. I'd quickly look down. Tristan, huh? you know, I didn't know who anyone was. And, um, but when I went on that show, I thought, I'm going to say all the things that I've hated about Big Brother and just get it out of my yeah. system. And my attitude was, I'm happy to do the show if I'm prepared to be fired from the show. Yeah. So I just said whatever I wanted. And afterwards, they said, that was fantastic. Can you do it again? So then I just thought from then on, every time I did a TV show, I thought, I'm going to just say whatever I want. Because this idea that you have to censor yourself and to try to get asked back or something like that is actually mostly imagined in a comedian's head. Mm. It's not even the... The producers want you to be outrageous, but I think they're sometimes scared that you're just going to you know, just swear away like an idiot or something right. like that. But you so so then every time I've done a show, I've just done it like I'm prepared to be fired. I think that sometimes TV producers, like, don't think it through the whole way. My favourite comedy story, and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, though, was uh, when uh, Bobcat Goldthwaite did uh, Celebrity Sale of the Century. Yes. And uh, they, uh, they did uh, the sort of uh, the gift shop or whatever, and he won $5,000. They're all playing for someone at yeah. home, you know. And so they've come over and they've put the stack of $5,000 on the table in front of Bobcat. Yeah. And Bobcat just grabbed it and sprinted out of the studio, <laughs> like, which is hilarious. It is very funny. Right? Yeah. But security chased him. Yeah. Like, chased him. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> as if he was fleeing, as if he was fleeing with the money. Yeah. Like, I'm like, you know, he, he was in the Police Academy movies. Yeah. He's probably fine. Yeah. He's probably... probably Oh, but so also the, just that idea that someone would think yeah. the perfect crime was running yeah. away from something that was being filmed yeah. on television, stealing money, like yeah. gold. But that's what. I, but that's also like you know, I think that Australian TV for me has lost a bit of that. Mm. You know, like um, 
With the project, quite often when there was a high-profile guest, I wouldn't like just unnecessarily mock them. But I used to great, get great pleasure in saying not the right thing to them right. or hopefully asking the question that people are thinking, you know. And I think some it's just everyone's a bit too matey-matey on Australian TV. You know? I agree. I feel like everyone is best mates and we're all having a laugh and, uh, you know, we, we don't want to offend anyone, you know, and, oh, that was a bit offensive. Don't we think that was a bit offensive? It's like I just feel like in the last year or two years that there's just there's just not much irony in the day-to-day of TV. There's pretend irony, but it's not actual irony, you know, and I just... Um, I think that's a great shame because I think that TV can still be a thing within mainstream shows where you can take the piss big time. One of the things I've enjoyed about working on Gruen mm. is that they have, like, as opposed to working with comedians, yes, like working with th- those advertising guys, it gives me a great freedom to be a bit mean-spirited and yes. to be a bit grumpy and to call someone on something and you know, say and you're being an And also they're very cynical, which is good. Well, and the thing about it is I, I, that I was going to say is it's water off a duck's back to them. Yes. You know, they don't have that. You don't have to worry that, like, if you say something mean yeah. on, like, you know, you, the cameras go off and they're the first person to pat you on the back and tell you how funny the mean thing you said to them was, <laughs> as yeah. opposed to comedians who, <laughs> like, that would just, yeah. that would be it. Like, you know, yeah. you, so I find that really interesting. I think sometimes we're a little, I mean, for people who are so willing to dish it out, yes, we are incredibly sensitive as a group. I mean, yes. individuals different, you know, obviously, but mm. as a group, I think we're incredibly sensitive to criticism and to feedback in general. Absolutely, and I think that a, I reckon comedy roast format could work really well in Australia. Could work really yeah. well in Australia, but I do think that a lot of comedians don't get it. I think they don't get the concept of having shit dumped on you and it being fine. Yeah, it's like, and they don't like. It's not just about being fine with it in a jokey way. It's about being fine with all the shit being dumped on you. Yeah. <laughs> all of it. All of it. And no, like, no leftovers. No, oh, that's a bit too sensitive. Yeah, no, no, not... the whole lot. Right. <laughs> Except for Tom Gleason's one, don't mention the wheelchair. You're not allowed to mention he's in a <laughs> wheelchair. That's the it. one thing. Don't talk about it. <laughs> There's comics backstage. All my jokes are about the wheelchair. <laughs> are you serious? No, don't. I don't want to talk about no, it. No. Only jokes about my career before the wheelchair. <laughs> Or I'd have the wheelchair and it'd just be, you know... I'd it, mention it and I'd pretend it wasn't there. What are you talking about? Is <laughs> I could see you doing a format like that. Is that something that you would, like, think that you would enjoy as a performer, being a roaster? Or would you just yeah. like the... I mean, people that I really envy, I mean, being a roaster would be fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, to some degree, I did that on a show like Good News Week, where right. often if there was a... Especially if there was a high-profile guest who was had been in the news, it was never assigned to me. But I took it on as my job to just sort of chip away at them a little bit. Yeah. And but also you have a great like I mean, you have a great thing in comedy which is uh, not not easy for everybody to do. You play high status very well. Mm. You know what I mean? Like even yeah, like you were saying, hello bitches. Like I mean yeah. that even the fact that you start your show <laughs> by saying that just is immediately yeah. kind of a high status thing. I remember being on Good Newsbook with you. Um, and you doing uh, like a, a rant about how you were really popular at school and, how, like, <laughs> and it was honest because everyone had gone around the panel and made some self-deprecating sort of like you know comedy thing of like oh you know I was picked on at school and I was picked on at school and this is what I was like at no, school no I, I remember and, what it was I think everyone had said that they were talking about how they were fat at school yeah that's right and yeah. I said that's right I was uh, fat as well sorry school captain yeah <laughs> That's right, but it's just because I was making fun of people being self-deprecating. Right. When everyone goes that way, it gets yeah. boring. So you, you went the, the other way. way. Yeah. But I think that um, I like the idea of uh, 
yeah, roasting people is kind of cool. That's fun. And um, but I also like like every comedian. I think Dave Letterman's great. Yeah. I'd love to be in a show, not necessarily a Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of being in a show where I would talk, interview guests, and I could take the piss out of them to their face. So I think. Dave Let I probably get it from him actually because right. you know like I've watched him for a long time. He walks a great line of taking the piss for the home viewer and the audience, but never enough that the person he's completely, the master of yeah, it, which is great, he and can, I like that. He can hang people with a look or a, yes, a little bit of encouragement, just a little bit, just a little bit, or a really flat comment like, right. mm, "Oh, thanks for that." Yeah, <laughs> that's all you'd have to say, you right. know, or yeah, well done. Yeah, he's amazing. But I too, I mean, I have had an idea for a show which I like and. Um, it's, uh, I used to have keep all my show ideas a secret. I don't anymore because otherwise they never get made. Right. And um, it's a really simple one. It would be called, um, I don't like you, change my mind. And it would be a one-on-one interview show and it would just be half an hour long in front of a live audience. And so the idea is there would be people that I don't like. And I, I like the idea. I think it's sometimes good when you have a title that's really right. obvious. I don't like you, change my mind. Yeah. So a guest would be Ricky Nixon. Yeah. For example, they'd have yeah. to be people like that. Ricky Nixon, Brent Edelston, uh, I don't know, Julie Bishop or whatever. Just people who I tend to, who I honestly don't like. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, and so that would be fun though because all those people, they're media trained. Right. And they would get the better of me and it would be a fun tussle. Well, I mean, and the other thing is you'd imagine mm. that, and I, I guess this would be my question about the show is. Yes. How many, like, would you naturally just... Like, would the idea be at the end that they probably would have convinced you or would you really play it naturally, like, if they don't convince you that you I think I'd like play it naturally. I'd play it for laughs. So that would play it for laughs, so that would be fun. But and then, by the and, end of it... Well, I think you'd have to say, I don't know, I think just for the fun of TV, yeah. you'd have to go, all right, we get to the point where we decide whether you've changed my mind or not. Yeah, right. And, and then I'd say, I'd, I'd sum up by going, yes, you have because of these reasons and or no because of this, this and this. Yeah. And that would be fun, you know, yeah. and... I know, but I still think that those guests could be, they could have fun with it. And also they've got the audience that they can win favour with as well. Oh my God. Well, I think it's nothing. I mean, I think for a hated, I mean, I'm not saying that these people are hated figures in public. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Controversial, let's say, or, or, you know, they're they're people who divide opinions and that people have very strong opinions about. Yes. I think it's in their best interest anyway to anytime you put yourself in that situation. Well, I have pitched Like, I know everyone else went after Ricky Nixon for yes. the fact that he's doing a comedy show. Like, <laughs> and everybody. And, like, I went after him as well. Cause, like, yeah. Just because it was funny. <laughs> Not because I don't think he shouldn't be able to do a comedy show. Yeah. Just because I thought, well, yeah, here's yeah. some opportunities to make jokes about yeah, you know, a thing in the news. Yeah. But at the same time, I think humour, like, in some ways he is right. Like, humour is the best way. If you've been in that much trouble and you've got that much notoriety around your name. What are you going to do? Diffusing it with, like, a bit of comedy. Comedy and a bit of humour probably is a good yeah. approach. Well, I had um, I had sort of pitched it before just here and there. Uh, and the thing that people always say is, oh, yeah, but how would you get the guest to be on the show? And I'm like, my reaction normally is, I don't know, get really good producers or good at convincing people to be right. on shows. That's what guest producers, that they're, they're proud of that, aren't right. they? I got such and such to do right. that. I don't know, they ask for $200. Also, know, that's what they do. Right. You know? Also, you just go, how do, you get, how do I get these people on the show? And you just go, um, money and publicity. Yeah, money and publicity, that's it'll be fine. The same reasons that you get anyone on a show. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that also, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Ross, who, who does the roast on Comedy Central, yeah. Um, I, I did I did a show at the Just for Laughs at the Opera House with him yes. at the um, end of last year. Yes. And he was very interesting. I was talking to him about the comedy roast that he does a lot of and he got a lot of notoriety for the Charlie Sheen That's right. one. Yep. 
And I said to him, how did you get Charlie Sheen on the show? And he said that he told Charlie that it was like a... He always describes it as a comedy intervention. So basically, if your image is in needs some repair, right. come on our show, let us rip the piss out of you and show that you're okay with it. And yeah. they can do wonders for getting you back on track. And I think that the publicity potential for Ricky Nixon's of this world or whatever to be on a show like that, it, like there's obviously great potential for them. Of course. Yeah. That makes complete sense. I mm. Right, well, I'm going to make it for you. All right, <laughs> let's make it. <laughs> Uh, and when I say it's going to be a show, it's going to be a podcast. Yeah. And it's going to be for free. And we probably won't be able to get any of those people. No, all right. So, Well, what we'll start, we'll just start with people down at the shops I don't like. Right. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of them. I go right. down the shops, they take too long to get a loaf of bread that I want sliced. Right. And, and if that happens... Like, all right, I've got a mic here. What are you doing? Yeah. Just, just, shh, shh, shh. I'm recording. Shh. <laughs> Welcome to I Don't Like You Changed My Mind. My first guest is here. Show us your name badge. Tanya. Tanya's taken ages with my bread. <laughs> what do you got to say for yourself, Tanya? <laughs> I don't want to be on a podcast. What is a podcast? <laughs> Shut up. Get my bread. <laughs> All right, episode one done. All right. Go next door to the get some milk. <laughs> it builds up a cult following right. very slowly and then eventually becomes a TV show. I also enjoy the fact that you buy your bread and milk in two separate buildings. I know, I know. Like, it's silly. I thought of that as soon as I said it. You should it. go to a place there, there's, where they a, have... there's a fridge in the bakery. Right. You just yeah. go there, get the milk there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they put those two things together. Well, I was going to go next door to the servo to get the milk and then right. I'll get petrol. You... <laughs> so I get those two things in the same spot. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> I can still walk around. I'm not in a wheelchair yet. <laughs> uh, yet <laughs> oh dear we're setting a very bad precedent um, I mean look this saying all this out loud mm. probably means that it will never happen you know what I mean yes because we've already built like a quite a great career yep um, around your wheelchair yes we have accident yeah. so it's probably never going to work out probably probably but having said does, that in this current show that I'm doing now uh I've, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't give away the story. I, I'm quite critical of religion in this show, but uh-huh. I just mentioned in passing that I think after you're dead, there's nothing, right? Because right. I feel like I need to lay my cards on the table before I venture off into talking about this thing. Yep. And um, anyway, so I've been thinking, yeah, it, um, you know, I'm quite happy the fact that I was a, I'm a scientist and yep. that I'm rational and that after you die, there's nothing and it's all fine. And I've always been very much like that. Don't believe in ghosts, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I did have a blackout last night <laughs> where all the power went out just in the middle of the show. Yeah. And I have had someone faint in the show and just have to get carried out. Both of those things have never happened during any other show I've ever done. Right. But you know what that is? Coincidence. Yes, it is. That is what it is. It's, I'm not it's even remotely worried about it. Who am I kidding? I have had, <laughs> in the last two weeks, I've had just... I, I, I don't know if I've had more of it happen or mm. I've just noticed more of it happen, but I've had a lot of that sort of thing where... I think of someone that I haven't thought of for a while that I think I should get in contact with and the phone rings five minutes later and it's uh. that person. And, or, you know, you, like, just think of someone, you see them in the street and it's been happening all the time. Yeah. And there's part of me that's like, you have superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another no, I've got a boring like, theory on that one. It's really good. Which is? That is, people always say, I think of someone and then they ring. It's spooky. I think that when you think of someone and they ring, that's very memorable. Right. But when you think of someone and they, and don't, they don't ring, ring you that's, not, that's not memorable. No, but that's, that, that is yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. So you remember all those special times. Yeah. There's another classic like that too. 
same thing. It's like uh, whenever, yeah, people, coincidences are memorable. Yeah. Random events that don't match up aren't. Right. You only remember the times where yeah. it, it is a thing. Yeah. You don't remember the times. Like, Actually, I that see, would be a very spooky thing. I see 12.42 yeah. on, like, uh, on my alarm clock or clock all yeah. the time. And the reason I noticed 12.42 mm. is that the radio station where I grew up was 12.42 3TR. Ah, yes. Right? And so I see, and it always seems that I'm always looking at my computer and it's like 12.42 and I'm like, fuck, man, that number yeah. comes up. Like, I'm, It's like I'm in a weird episode of Lost, yes. but all I'm referring back to is this country radio station. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where the secrets are. Yeah. Well, that um, never happens but to you me, but where I grew up, it was 2MO, it was 10.80. Right. So every time I look at a clock... <laughs> I just never took it. I gotta get it. I gotta get it. Sometimes I see a poison chemical that's right. called 1080, and I'm like, well, fuck me, that's a coincidence. Right. That poison is like a radio station. Do, do you think about. Um, uh, so you said that you don't think there's anything after death. Yes. Uh, which is also what I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I am. So I, this show, just very simply, yeah. I've gone from being polite about that to just stating it as fact because I'm sick of sort of my opinion being trampled on. Right. And do you by feel, other people's beliefs. And you feel like that does happen? Because I, I, yes. I, I, I'm interested in that as an area because I, I was in uh, America and I did a podcast called the Ardent Atheist Podcast. Yes. Uh, which, um, you know, people can find on iTunes and stuff if you want to have a listen. And the interesting thing was they're all really full on. I mean, the, yeah. the podcast called Ardent Atheist. You know, you can it's, probably imagine that's the what the podcast is, right? Yeah. And I would not consider myself to be an ardent atheist. I am definitely an atheist in that I don't believe in any sort of God and I think that when we die, we're dead. Yeah. But I, I don't know if I'm ardent. I don't feel like I'm a person. And I think it's probably because I never had religion. Like in America, so many people are religious. You know, like 90% of people or something in yes. America are religious. And so Yeah, when, it, you, when you thank God at the Academy Awards... For your acting career, no one laughs. No one laughs. No one thinks that you're funny. Everyone thinks, oh, well, that's fair enough. I mean, because even, God did give you some amazing gifts. Even someone like Obama, who seems like the smartest bloke yeah. on the planet, no matter if, what opinions you like have about his policies, or the, you know, like a guy who you know he wants to do something about the environment and mm. like gay people get married and you know have good foreign policy and blah 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 blah, and then he's like. And I'd like to thank God. And you're like, oh, my God, really? Where's that fit? Yeah. How can the smartest man in the world, mm. like, be going, I hope the invisible guy thinks this is a you know, good idea? Because it's easier. Right. <laughs> no, I actually, for me, I count politicians a little bit outside the loop. Because they have to? Well, they have to because of the, they can just look at the stats. Yep. Uh, 90% of people in this country are religious. There you go. Are you going to be an atheist? That's ridiculous. Even Julie Gillard, we were talking about this the other night. It's not not that big a risk for her to be an atheist because... In this country, people aren't uh, the majority of people aren't religious yeah. in Australia. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I think that you have a bigger reaction to religion. Yes. And the idea that's being like forced down your throat and stuff like that. If you live somewhere, a like America, where they, a lot of the policies still have like mm. you know, so like there are issues about abortion and gay marriage and all those sort of things. You know, they come very much from religion. So, yes. pe- but secondly, I think people have been raised like sometimes under oppression of religion and yes. so when they get out of it they're very very loud and angry about yes. it is that where you're loud uh, where does, where do, why do you feel like it's now a time where you need to stand up and be a bit more straightforward about it uh there's a few things i just think that um i was, I was brought up as catholic went to mass every sunday i don't really have any trauma from my past no except that i was just sort of 
led to believe some things which weren't true. Yeah. Which is a shame. But everyone believes in Santa. I don't think that I'm traumatised as such. I, I just think that um, I was brought up in a very conservative way. Right. Perhaps unnecessarily, but I hold no grudge against my parents, yeah. who are religious. Yeah. And, um, but my feeling more is, I wouldn't describe myself as a strident atheist. I hear a lot of people saying, oh, these strident atheists, you know, with their views and whatever. For me, it's more <laughs> just I'm sick of, I'm more sick of it being treated as zero. Yeah. So it's like, like you have to be sensitive towards other people's beliefs. Right. Like that, that's accepted in society. Yeah. You have to be... But it somehow it seems that in so atheism, much as like you know the famous quote is in so much as you are like sensitive to the belief that you know a husband's wife is attractive and that their baby's smart or whatever like you know stuff, it's just yeah. one of those things that you just in you general be, you could be at a birthday and someone during a speech would say and happy birthday Brian and if you don't mind I just want to say a quick little prayer just to wish him well and, and then he'd say a prayer and everyone would go quiet and yep. listen to the prayer right. But, I mean, you could argue that's basic respect for public speaking. But, but anyway, no, no, but, <laughs> but, but at the I same was, time, they would, would all go quiet. And I was in fine. church uh, for a funeral mm. uh, recently, mm. and it was a very religious, you know, ceremony. And mm. there was a lot of sort of, you know, singing and praying and mm. all those sort of things. And even though I don't believe in any of that, like, mm. I just, you know, I bow my head and I... Like, I'm there inside. Like, it's not like I'm going, this is bullshit. This is yeah. not happening. Like, you know. Yeah. So, I... I, I understand that, but sorry, continue. So, point. so the the point I'm trying to make is because I also, again, I go I go to church when people are getting married or yeah. whatever, and I go through the motions and do whatever because right. it's, it's their party and it's yeah. good to it's, if everyone's singing their favourite song, it's good to sing the chorus, you know. But my problem is there's no there's no reverse of that. There's no people being sensitive towards people thinking nothing because people who are religious, I feel in general, think that if you are if you have a if you if you're an atheist. That it's almost like you are, it's like you're out and you're thinking zero. But it, to believe in nothing, is a deeply held belief as well. Right. So no one respects your right to believe nothing. No. So it's almost like, oh, yeah, but you just think nothing. You just think, oh, and you're all bleak and whatever, and you're all scientific and rational and you're unromantic and whatever, and you're kind of written off a little bit. Yep. So there's no version of being sensitive towards people's lack of belief. It's interesting, know? isn't it? Because we're so, we seem to judge the value and quality of a life mm. based on what happens after it finishes. Yes. Like a lot of the time, you know, yep. that idea of like, well, we'd be good here so that when we go to that next place, yes. you know, we'll be rewarded or whatever. Mm. Whereas you could argue that, you know, what you really, like if you say that you don't believe that anything happens after mm. you die, yeah. then what you're really just saying is I value this. Yes. You mean like whatever? Well, that's kind of a point in the whatever, show. I'm saying this is it. This yeah, is whatever all you've decisions got, that's I'm making, good. I'm making for now. Yeah. Because this is it. Yeah. And then it will just stop at some stage. Yeah, all the consequences begin and end within this life. This is it. Yeah. So but, you might as well take some advantage of this. Yeah, well, I mean, I sort of touch on this in the show because for me, an afterlife is an optimism, grass is greener thing. Right. Just gone mad where you look around and go, this is all very nice. But I think there might be something even better. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that I can't prove exists or not. Right. That's that's and I'm that's gonna, putting all your money on. I'm going to compromise horse, my whole life here. thing that I know exists yeah. based on that thing. Maybe that might exist. No, but they believe it does exist. Yeah. So that, that logic doesn't quite work. Yeah, but but also, but you know, but I I find that level of belief very fascinating because, like you said, you're a mm-hmm. you're a scientist. You know, you're rational about it. Like, surely, you look around the world and you think, well. What if, like, even if you think there is a God, mm. right, the idea of a God mostly yeah. in most religions is that there's only one yeah. and that you 
uh, you have to choose the right one yeah. or you're not going to get to go to that special place anyway, right? The yeah. rules of most religions are that, you know, if you want to go to the... Yeah, you know, the the Christian heaven, you have to believe in the Christian God to get mm. into there. And if you want to go to the yeah the the Muslim paradise, then you have to believe in the right thing and act the right way for that. Yeah. So even if you believe in God, how are people not terrified by the fact that they've picked the wrong one? Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know, but that's a, that's that's something I've always never understood about people in general. I've always had no time for people who think that the religion they were born into so happens to be the right one. Right. That the town that they grew up in happens to be a great town. Yeah. That the country they were, you know, born in happens to be the best country in the world, and that the football team that they went for the whole time is the best football team. I mean, really? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. You just haven't even looked at the other things or sort of weighed them up. You don't do that with food. Although you'd still be having milk. I think that some people. I think some people do do that with food, though. Like yeah. I mean, you know, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine who's. Uh, from Ireland mm. and uh, her parents went to Barcelona on holidays and every day they ate at the Irish pub. <laughs> they went to the local Irish pub and yeah. ate yeah. with the other Irish people who were at the Irish pub eating an Irish breakfast in Spain. Like, yeah. you know... I suppose they just want the climate right. and nothing else. No. <laughs> we just want to still eat potatoes. We yeah. don't want your fancy tapas. Yeah. We don't want potatoes in some sort of tomato sauce. We yeah. just want deep fried potatoes. We want to drink Guinness, but in the heat. Right. The humidity, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we should wrap this up. Uh, Tom Gleeson, thank you so much for uh, being part of this uh, faux fop episode. Oh, I didn't thank explain you. that. That's what I was going to say. Oh, faux fop. Faux fop. So my theory was, yes. which might be... Because I... This... I, it was 30-odd foot of pod. Yes. So for me, it was like one of those 80s sequels things that would be 40-odd foot of pod. Right. Well, like, that's, you know, look, look who's talking, look who's talking to. It's just a, like 40-odd full of... There's even more pod than before. Right. Is that, that one? That has no. been... Part, that's been floated? That's been floated as an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, also has been floated as an idea is 15-odd uh, foot of pod. Because oh, less. it's half of the original. Yeah, it was 30. Better. Yeah. So it goes back to 15. Did anyone say 50? No one said 50. Well, I'm saying that. Now. Right. Because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense auction. at all. Yeah, it's, uh, you know. Uh, the re- <laughs> it's, 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 it's better than before, but not twice as good, but almost there. The real reason uh, it's called uh, faux fop, uh, but, you know, it can be called faux fop for whatever reason. Mm. The real reason is that uh, in the episodes before uh, Charlie had to leave the show, uh, I was fascinated by the TV show Fringe, which I think as a scientist would you would hate. Because <laughs> there are like, a lot of shows that are hard to enjoy as a scientist, I must admit. My God, like this one in particular. There's a lot of vampires and zombies around at the moment. This one is and based. Ghost stories. This oh. one's based on so like, but the whole premise mm. of the the show is like it's based on like just quickly explaining a sciencey ish thing mm. that could work, yes. and then just go look. We've all agreed. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Like, so they'll do that sort of thing of going, uh, a wormhole's opened up between these two dimensions, and they're like, well, how could that possibly happen? And he'll be like, well, see this cake? See, I put my finger in the cake? It's like that. And everyone's yeah. like, okay, it's like that. Yeah. It's not like that. That's in any terrible, way. yeah. Right? <laughs> but every episode's based around yeah, one of those yeah, sort of things. Yeah. And it's all alternate uh, realities. Right. So the, the lead uh, character, her name's Olivia, mm. and in this alternate universe, which is much like... It's one of those classic things where everything's the same in that universe, apart from like six things. Yeah, you know, like the you know the, the twin towers are still there, yeah. and they have different McDonald's or whatever. But yeah. the same people still work with each other, and everything else has seemed to work out the same. So everything's a bit different for cinematic opportunities, right? Yeah, 
And uh, so the Olivia in the other universe, they, yeah. Yeah, they nicknamed Faux-Olivia. And like uh, the Walter in the other universe, they nicknamed Walternate, you know, yeah, so it yeah. all had that sort of thing. Mm. So we started speculating that there was this other universe where there was a show called Fofop. Yeah. But but like Charlie was really successful and that, you know, he was so successful that he had to leave the podcast. Then. So that was something you talked about long we, before he before, actually had to leave. Bef- way see. before. Yes. So what I'm saying is, Tom, I have superpowers. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> I have the power to predict the future. No. So, and then it happened. So uh, when I decided, because for a little while I wasn't going to continue the podcast because Tofop was always Charlie and I, but we had such a kind of big response from people saying, well, can you fill in it? Yeah, do do something. Yeah. yeah. Then I was like. So we're just keeping this going till Charlie comes back. Just keeping it alive, keeping it warm. Well, maybe it's Fofop, but it's an alternative reality where this is my podcast. (laughs) You're my guest. Now you've freaked me out. (laughs) You're my guest, so um, thank you very much for coming. Right. Um, sorry, I'm just going to stop recording on my laptop. <laughs> and if you want to hear more episodes of Fofop, go to my website, tomgleason.com.au. That would be hard to do. <laughs> very confusing. Do I have to keep doing this? 